I spoke a time or two, and uh, the last time I remember, I'm probably the biggest crybaby in the kingdom. Uh, uh, I just can't turn sometimes when I start thinking and talking about the Lord, the tears and the boogers. And I noticed the last time I was here, I was wiping my nose and I was rubbing it. And I looked down and I had wiped boogers all over Dorman's uh, podium. And <laughs> I noted it real well. But um, anyway, uh, Rod, would you put that picture up there for me? Uh, I wanted to talk today about Jesus, and you know, I've, I've read two different accounts that this is what Jesus looks like from people that didn't know each other, and I think it's important not that we're worshiping a picture or anything, but that we realize Jesus is real, and that he's alive, and he's coming back for us to come get us, and uh, if y'all will turn to Matthew chapter 16. Uh, while y'all are turning there, I always think it's good to laugh a little. The Bible says that uh, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, and I had some funny things that kids have said or about the Bible or church that I wanted to read right quick. And uh, one of them was, there was this uh, family that went to church every Sunday, and they had a smaller child, and uh, one Sunday morning this child was really acting up, and the parents are trying to get the child to be quiet and those kind of things, and about the time the preacher was going to start preaching, the dad had just had enough, and so he grabs the little boy up and starts heading for the back, and the last thing that they heard as he exited the uh, uh, auditorium there was the little boy yelled out, please pray for me, <laughs> but... <laughs> Another funny thing that uh, come up, uh, one little boy uh, was heard praying, uh, Father, forgive us of our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. <laughs> and uh, another one was overheard uh, praying, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, it's okay. I'm having lots of fun the way I am. Uh during Sunday school, one day the Sunday school teacher asked all the kids, why is it important to stay quiet in church? And one little girl popped up and said, because everybody's sleeping. <laughs> but, uh, another one, uh, a little boy was looking through, you know, those big family Bibles, those great big ones. Uh, he was looking through the family Bible and his mom was there. And, and as he was turning the pages, a leaf fell out of it one that had been pressed in there between the, the pages, and he said, oh, Mom, look, uh, it's Adam's underwear. <laughs> and the last one here, uh, well, it may not be the last one anyway. I'll try to get through this. One little boy asked his grandmother, uh, which 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 virgin was the mother of Jesus, the Virgin Mary or the King James Virgin? <laughs> and the last one here, I'll get this one. Y'all may want me to shut up after this one, but anyway. Uh, during Sunday school class, uh, they were studying the Ten Commandments. 
And as they were ready to discuss the last one, the teacher asked if anyone could tell what it was. And Susie raised her hand and stood tall and quoted, Thou shalt not take the covers off your neighbor's wife. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> I'm glad y'all laughed. It made me feel better. But anyway, sometimes I'm not so funny. But uh, Getting back to what I want to talk about today. This fits right in with what Marion was saying earlier. Um, I want to talk about the signs of his coming. And I'll read uh, Matthew 16 right quick. It says there, starting in verse 1, The Pharisees also with Sadducees came, tempting and and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered unto them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, you hypocrites, can you discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the sign of the times. I, uh, I enjoy studying and listening to a lot of prophecy tapes and going to hear prophecy teachers and some of the things that I've heard and, and studied is that uh, they say there's over 50 signs that point to the soon return of Jesus. And I wanted to talk about some of those today. And not all 50, I don't know if I know all 50, but I do know a few of them. And if you think back over history, you know, God prophesied many of these things that I'm going to talk about today as far back as 2,700 years ago. And um, God said that he would show us the end from the beginning. And I think that's the way that we can prove that our God is real and that, that, uh, that what he says is true. A lot of the things that, just like, you know, the destruction of the temple... Back in 70 A.D., Jesus prophesied that and told his disciples about that. I think it's in Matthew chapter 24. And the Israel being dispersed around the world and those different kind of things after that time as they fled Israel or Jerusalem and those kind of things. Um, all those things were spoke about beforehand and those kind of things. And so uh, as you think about the nation, and there's two key signs that we look at today uh, that... Were, hadn't happened until 1948 and then 1967, and that is the restoration of Israel as a nation, and then the, the recapture of Jerusalem as a city. And, uh, you know, back in, as you think back over time, where all the Jews had went and those kind of things all over the world, uh, there was a burden placed on some of them back in the late 1800s, and they'd be... Uh, organized a Jewish Congress or a Zionist Congress that began to meet, I think it was in 1897. They began to work towards the establishment of, of a Jewish nation. Uh, they worked and worked with the British government, and I don't know all the details, I forgot them, I've read that about the Balfour Declaration that was established in 1917. Uh, to begin to work on establishing a Jewish nation. And then, you know, all the things that happened to the Jews uh, during World War II. And that's another thing that I think it just points to what we can say that our God is alive. is about how hard Satan has tried over all of history that is written to destroy the nation of Israel. Amen. 
there's got to be something behind why there's been such an effort to to destroy that nation and that seed who is the chosen uh, chosen ones of the Lord and God and destroy Abraham's seed. I think the devil has it in his mind that if he can destroy that nation, that God will have to give up, that he will give up and let the devil have complete control of this earth, which that is coming for a short time soon. But uh, if you think about in 1948 when they reestablished the nation of Israel, the United Nations voted on that. There's been three U.S. presidents that Israel has considered as part of fulfilling the Cyrus prophecy that you read about. That prophecy came about when the Israel was in, in captivity in Babylon. And in that prophecy, Cyrus helped release them to move back to Jerusalem and, to, and rebuild the temple. Uh, the three presidents were, were Truman. Uh, I've heard and read that he, uh, once that they voted, he was pounding his fist on his desk saying, I am Cyrus, as he helped them reestablish the nation of Israel. And uh, it was the United States vote that, and his influence that was able to get that done. The next president that Israel considered as part of the Cyrus prophecy was President Reagan. And as he worked to bring down the Iron Curtain, and thousands of Jews were, be, were able to come back to Jerusalem and to Israel from behind the Iron Curtain. And the last person was uh, President Trump. I thought it was so neat back, you know, uh, uh, in, at the end of, of last year where Trump was going and that they had, you know, uh, decided to change uh, our embassy and recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel that they had signs, uh, Trump, make Israel great again. And, that, uh, and it's an in interesting fact that uh, after 70 years, they celebrated this last May, 70 years of being a nation. The same 70 is where they returned back from, uh, from Babylon. I've heard teaching from several different uh, prophetic teachers uh, that that is a key indicator that the temple and the temple mount will be rebuilt soon. And uh, th those are just neat things to me to think about. But you think about, you know, a, a key Jesus said, and I'll go ahead and read these two verses about Israel becoming a nation. Uh, in Jeremiah 31 uh, 30, through 31, it says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, write in a book all the words that I've spoken to you. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. And Judah says the Lord, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take into possession of it. This was written many years. And who would have known back then that Israel would have been run out, the children of Israel, from Israel and Jerusalem? The other scripture that supports this is in Luke 21, 29 through 33, where it says, So you also, when you see these things happening, Know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Uh, the other key one is Jerusalem being won back in 1967. As you know, I think it was uh, Syria, Jordan, and Egypt had lined troops uh, up on the borders of Israel. Uh, they were w many times outnumbered, hundreds of thousands of of uh, troops from these countries were ready to attack Israel. Israel saw this coming. Uh, they attacked uh, Egypt 
uh, and destroyed nearly all of their air force. Uh, they also attacked into, uh, I think it was Jordan, but they went a back way. When they got into Jordan, uh, and these are some of the things that you can read about the miracles that happened during this fight, is that the Jordanians thought that there was some Iranian, I think it was Iranian, or Syrian troops that were coming in to support them, and Israel took over that town uh, with them thinking that it was their uh, support troops and it was Israel. But there's just some neat stories that I've read about uh, Egyptian troops asking who all of the the paratroopers in white were that were paratrooping in. Oh, man. And they were running that uh, artillery and armament that they were using shooting at Israel would not hit its target. Israel came up on them, turned that equipment around and started shooting with pinpoint accuracy onto their enemy. <sighs> Sorry. Hallelujah. Anyway, I read uh, U.S. generals say that they talk about this when they train U.S. troops at West Point, but they can't teach it. He said, we can't teach that God does Make, does miracles in battle. But he, he said that this is a prime example of where we see God intervening on behalf of, of Israel. And uh, the thing to think about too is, you know, during that war, six day war, uh, they were able to recapture the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and the eastern part of, of Jerusalem where the Temple Mount is at. And, you know, you look back, and this is just another example to me how hard the world has fought against the United Nations and many other nations have fought against them since then to try to get them out of Jerusalem, to make a, a two-state solution and all these kind of things. Every time they give up land, uh, it, it just comes back to bite them. Uh, I've heard, uh, well, I won't go into that, but anyway, uh, you just think about the city of Jerusalem. And how many times I've read and through history that it's been attacked 50 times, that it's been completely destroyed twice, uh, and how much that Satan wants that piece of ground to me is what this is saying. And that, that he is out, out to destroy Israel and to run them off. There's so many countries uh, now that, that are uh, saying that you know, their existence right now, Iran is one of them, Turkey is another that are, I've heard that Turkey, I've read recently that Turkey has established a 30-nation coalition with the sole purpose of destroying the nation of Israel. And so when you look back and see how much effort there is, uh, it just verifies again how, much, how true and uh, how much God has put into this and that these things come under signs. Jesus, you know... When I was reading that scripture there, they were demanding a sign from Jesus. I don't know what more they could have asked for. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed me to bring deliverance to the captives, to bind up the brokenhearted. I may have missed one, but I know he said <laughs> that, <laughs> that he uh, 
gamed uh, to proclaim this is the favorable day of the Lord, or the year of the Lord. You don't have to wait to the year of Jubilee to return to your inheritance. Yeah. Amen. Jesus went around showing those signs. But the Pharisees and the religious people, it just, it just confounds me how you could see all those things and then not know that he was, was and, and then to say that he wasn't the son of the living God. But anyway, Jesus, right here in chapter 16 of Matthew, wants us to discern the signs of the times. And these signs, these two key ones, up until this time in 1948, uh, there, you know, people looked at that and just wondered because nation, Israel was not a nation. But now we have the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem won back. A couple of scriptures around that. Uh, Amos 9, 14 through 15. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel. I will plant them on their land and they shall never be again uprooted uh, that I... Out of the land that I give them, says the Lord. And then in Luke, uh, they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive among all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. I believe the Lord's proclaiming the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Another, another key sign uh, is the revival of the Roman Empire. In 1957, there was a Treaty of Rome that brought uh, the European nations together. Uh, I think there's 28 nations now that are a member of that. That was prophesied in Daniel in, uh, 7, 23 through 24 and Daniel 2, 40. It says, Thus says the Lord, the fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all other kingdoms. As for the ten horns, out of this king, uh, kingdom ten kings will arise. There will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break uh, in these in all pieces. It wasn't until recently studying that I didn't realize that the Roman Empire was divided into uh, two sections. It was uh, Rome was the headquarter of the western part of the Roman Empire, and Istanbul, they didn't, I think they called it Constantinople or something like that, was the headquarters of the eastern leg of the uh, Roman Empire. You know, and I've heard many teachings, and, you know, I told the Lord when he's been after me for a while now to say this here, and uh, I've been <laughs> trying to quench him, really, but I, forgive me, Lord Jesus, but it gets me out of my comfort zone, and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm not qualified to talk about all these things. It can get so complicated, and he said, well, keep it simple. And I thought, well, you're supposed to say it's okay, don't do it. But uh, anyways, getting back to <laughs> the Roman Empire, uh, you know, I've heard stories and, and Preachers, you know, talking about, you know, and you, and you think about Europe as being the, the Roman Empire and that the Antichrist will come from there and those type things. But, you know, other prophetic teachers believe that the eastern leg, the Islamic leg of the Roman Empire is where these ten kings will come from. That they will come, rise to power, that the Antichrist, when you think about what... You know, and I know very little about the, you know, Islam and those kind of things. But, you know, when you think about a Western person, would a bunch of Islamic Muslim leaders listen to anyone 
uh, from a Western nation. I believe the Bible calls that the, the Antichrist will, will be called an Assyrian. I believe he will come up out of those ten uh, kingdoms that are part of uh, the eastern leg of the uh, Roman Empire. And you know, this stuff can get so complicated. Sometimes I listen to some of these prophetic teachers and it just kind of blows my mind about all the stuff that they know. But uh, uh, I think if a country, part of that eastern leg is Turkey. I think that's a country that we should keep pay attention to. Uh, they've always been, you know, they're part of NATO. They've been a friend of the United States, but in recent years, uh, their president has basically become a dictator. Uh, like I say, he's against Israel. Uh, there's so many funny things, and I'll talk about that in a minute, about what's going on in Syria. He's fighting the Kurds, and I don't know a lot about that, but uh, there's fighting between them and the Kurds in northern Syria. You've got uh, the U.S. there, Russia there, Iran there, Hezbollah there, Syrian rebels there, and Syrian troops that are loyal to their president Assad and those kind of things. Uh, it's a powder keg there from what I read. And so, uh, but I think we just need to keep an eye on Turkey. Uh, and it's in that region. Uh, it was called Assyria back in bi biblical times. And uh, that may be where, you know, who knows but where the Antichrist comes from. Uh, it's also odd uh, when, you, when you think about the Roman Empire that they chose an exact duplicate of the Tower of Babel for their headquarters in Brussels, Belgium. It, the, there's pictures on the internet. You can look at the Tower of Babel. You know, it's just, it amazes me again when I think about after the flood, that men so again rebelled against God that they would think I can build a tower big enough where he'll never flood us, be able to flood us out again. And, but, but their headquarters in Brussels is an exact duplicate of the Tower of Babel. Uh, the bottom parts, uh, it's just crazy to look at. And to me, it's just another sign of men's rebellion against the Lord. And so... I'm going to have to get going, y'all. i got lots of signs here. I'm going to need to quit rambling, but anyway. Uh, the fourth sign is just a, a restoration of the Hebrew language. The Lord said in Zephaniah 3, 9, For then I will restore the people to a pure language, that they may call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one accord. The things that I've read, it says the revival of the Hebrew language was a process that took place in Europe and Palestine toward the end of the 19th and 20th century. The process of Hebrews return to regular usage is unique. There is no other examples of a natural language without any native speakers subsequently acquiring several million such native speakers. And there are no other examples of a sacred language becoming a national language with, member, with millions of first language speakers. Another sign is just the Bible prophesied that the Lord would return his uh, children or the children of Israel back to Israel. Uh, in Isaiah 43 6, it says, I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, do not withhold, bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. There's been several occasions when 
thousands of, of Jewish people returning back. I can remember uh, back in, the, it was either in the late 80s, I know when Reagan, when the Iron Curtain came down, I remember seeing on the news train loads of Israeli or uh, Jewish people coming back to Israel. Uh, I think it was in 1984, they had an Operation Moses that was a secret operation where they uh, flew uh, several thousand uh, uh, Jewish people back into Israel that were living in, in Muslim countries. Uh, the one that I know the most about is Operation Solomon. Uh, it was in 1991. It was a secret mission by the Israeli government. Uh, a very wealthy Jewish person paid for this. In 35 or 6 hours they flew over 14,000 uh, Jews from Ethiopia Ethiopia back into the land of Israel and uh, uh, I was reading that account they thought that they could they had stripped out everything out of these larger aircraft and they thought that they could fit seven to eight hundred at a time these people were so skinny and so malnourished that they were fitting 11 and 1200 people on one plane uh, and, the, and then the 35 to 6 hours they had flown all of them back to Israel uh, fulfilling this what I feel is this scripture uh, the next sign is just the fertility of the land of Israel uh, I think it's documented that Tom Sawyer had went to the Holy Land uh, back uh, when he was alive I think it was in the 1800's and he wrote that this was such a desolate land why would anyone want to live there as after 1948 uh, Israel came in God has placed his blessings on that land there's two scriptures the parched grant shall become a pool in the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of jackals where each lay there shall be grass with reeds and rushes that's Isaiah 35 7 and then Joel 2 23 says be glad then you children of Zion he will cause a rain to come down to you the former and latter rain in the first month 90% of the produce that uh, uh, or fruit uh, that Europe gets comes from Israel today. Uh, things that I read and I listen to Perry Stone a lot. He goes to Israel a lot and has a lot of contacts there. They have become a technological and a, a medical uh, hub for the world. They have uh, they talk about all of the different uh, medicines that they have. Uh, and things that they won't allow in the United States that for things that like to help heal diabetes and cancer and different things that to me in the United States a lot of what our treatment is is just to treat you not to help you get better and it's just all about money but anyway that's my opinion it's worth nothing but uh, it's just uh, it's just that fertility of the land it has become a beautiful country and uh, they're exporting they they have uh, a wealth of natural gas and oil and those kind of things and uh, the Lord has really blessed them since they've come back into the land and if that was not the blessing of the Lord why did that not happen before 1948 uh, one thing that's still to come to pass uh, that must come to pass is the rebuilding of the temple the Bible talks about the Antichrist shutting down the sacrifice and going and well, I'll read that scripture there. Uh, 
In Daniel 9, it says the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of uh, one set of seven, but after this time he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. As a climax to his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desperation. Uh, uh, well, what, I can't say that word, sorry. Y'all know what I mean. Uh, until the fate uh, decreed for his uh, defiler is finally poured out on him. And then in Thessalonians 2.4, he will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he is God himself. And that's 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Uh, but since 1987, uh, the Temple Institute in Israel has been working to get ready to have everything ready for them to rebuild the temple. Uh, from what I hear and read, they're ready to go. This was the first year uh, that they've allowed actually a sacrifice to happen on the Temple Mound. Every other year, uh, the Israeli government would arrest those just because they didn't want to deal with all of the trouble that would come from the Muslim community. Uh, but there's things changing, and like I said, there's many prophetic teachers teaching uh, that this 70th year prophetic thing from them being a nation is the thing and maybe what was the key to the blood red moons that we have just went through uh, that the temple is going to be rebuilt. Another, another uh, sign, uh, you know it talks about in Ezekiel 39.4 you shall fall on the mountains of Israel, and you will, and your hordes, and the peoples who are with you. I will give you the birds of prey of every sort, and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Since uh, in 2009, uh, Animal Planet did a special uh, talking about the predatory birds that are migrating to Israel. Since that time, they have identified 172 different species of predatory birds that have migrated into Israel. Millions of birds, I read, was Dylan just reading yesterday, millions of birds migrate through there. And you just think about, you know, a lot of people call, you know, the flood and animals showing up and getting on a boat crazy. Well, you know, well, these are things to look at. You know, God prophesied this many, many years ago. Why would birds of prey be showing up right here at this time if this was not true? One of the last signs I wanted to talk about is just the blood red moons and signs in the stars. Uh, I think it was last year was the first time in 2,000 years that we had seen the Christmas star, the star that appeared when Jesus was born. Um, it, uh, and it was neat from what I've read. I don't know a lot about astronomy or anything, but from what I read, uh, the stars that put together the first time uh, was part of the constellation of Virgo, or the Virgin. And the second one that we just witnessed was uh, the constellation of the uh, Leo the Lion. Jesus came as born of a virgin, and he's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And that's something that the Lord had had us to be looking for in Joel 2, 31. The sun to be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it is so neat to think about of the last four of these blood red moons that fell on Jewish holidays every time 
1492, it was the same time of the Spanish Inquisition that they were kicking the Spains, taking their wealth, and kicking them out of Spain. Uh, The next time was in 1948 when Jerusalem became a nation. The two times after that was in 2014 and 15. And what, what, what will become about of that? And like I said a while ago, is that maybe this is the time or the indicator that the temple will be rebuilt. So... Sorry, y'all, I lost my place here. I guess the last thing I just wanted to talk about uh, was just about what we said a little bit earlier about all the nations that have gathered around uh, Israel. Uh, in Revelation sixteen sixteen, it says, And they assembled them in a place and that Hebrew place called Armageddon. And what I know is that the Bible talks about two wars coming. One is the war of Gog and Magog. The other is the battle of Armageddon. Uh, in the, where you read there in Ezekiel 37, 38, 39, right in there, the nations that, that are gathered together right now in the northern part of Israel are the ones that are mentioned there. And I think it's uh, chapter 38. Uh, Russia, Iran, uh, Syria, uh, it's just a powder keg over there. I don't know if y'all read, the U.S. and Russian mercenaries have already been in a fight. Back in, in February, uh, Rus- uh, Russian mercenaries that were, they say, sent in there by Putin, maybe to test President Trump, but they and Syrian uh Syrian troops attacked a location where there were American troops. America responded. Uh, uh, some of the reports that I've read that uh, three to about 300 Russian tr- uh, mercenaries were killed in that attack. Um, there's U.S. Air Force there, Russian Air Force, Syrian Air Force, Israeli Air Force. Israeli, over the last few years, Israel has bombed over 200 uh, convoys coming out of Iran to re to arm the Syrians and to arm Hezbollah. Uh, Hezbollah has thousands of rockets uh, that have uh, that they've been shooting over at times into Israel. Uh, they have now just been equipped with new Russian type rock, uh, missiles that have uh, precision, precision guidance. Uh, I think uh, from what I had been hearing in the last month, Israel has stopped their attacks into into Syria. They were bombing and attacking these by air, all these different missile sites. Uh, but you know, just saying all of those things, uh, and with all of the relationship uh, w- between Russia and the U.S. and China and the U.S. and all of those kind of things going over there. Uh, I've read and heard uh, several times that U.S. generals are saying that World War III has already started. Hallelujah. You talk about uh, Russia and China have just finished a joint military exercise together with, with hundreds of thousands of troops. Uh, and you think about, you know, when you think other than the war of Gog and Magog. But, uh, you know, the Bible says that the Euphrates River will be dried up, allowing a path for 
for the kings of the east to come over to the Middle East. Uh, I've read in one of the problems that China, with their abortion policy, the one-child policy, that they have aborted uh, uh, millions of babies, uh, more like a, a five, four to 500,000 babies over the last few decades, and that there's close to 100 million military-aged men with no hope of ever finding a, a wife or uh, having a normal family life. And so their focus, I mean, to me, maybe they're thinking if I, you know, we attack them, there'll be some women over there, some girls we can date. I don't know what they're thinking. But anyway, all of this abortion and things has caused problems. And you got a bunch, you know, 100 million frustrated men that are looking for a girlfriend. But anyway, uh, you know, as we, as we think about those, uh, the things going on and uh, what should we do. And I didn't say all that. I know sometimes, you know, those kind of things can get us, you know, thinking about maybe fear, try to come in. But we just need to know the Lord's not worried about this. And that He, he is in control and things are going to happen according to His plan. And the devil's already defeated. And that uh, we don't need to worry about uh, what we're going to have to do. But you know, as I think about these signs, about what we should be doing, and <sighs> I was driving down Coulter there in Amarillo uh, uh, few months ago and <sighs> this phrase dropped in my spirit Stand and be recognized. Hallelujah. 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 I believe the Lord at least is saying to me that we need to stand and be recognized of who we are in Him. I believe that He wants to remind us this morning that we are kings and priests. Kings make declarations. They command armies. Priests minister to those in need. I believe the Lord wants to remind us we are in covenant with Him. You know, Dorman preached, which touched me a few weeks ago, about us believing how important it is. We need to get unbelief out of our lives. You know, I've struggled sometimes with that so much. But the Lord reminds me that, you know, when you look at the life of Abraham, the father of our faith, you know, he had been promised that he would be the father of nations. And the Lord, you can read through the first parts of 12, 13 to 14 
of Genesis, how much the Lord had blessed him, but he still struggled. The Lord said, I am your shield and great, exceeding great reward. And he said, Lord, what more can you do for me as I don't have an heir? He was looking for a son. And the Lord said, take from me. And he named off these different animals. You split them in half. And the Lord came down and he passed through that and made a blood covenant with, with Abraham. And from that point on, and Abraham would say, how may I know that this is true? And that's when the, the Lord came down and made covenant with him. And that's so settled in his heart that later in Romans you read that he staggered not at the promises of God. We need to come to that point where we know that we have a covenant with the Lord God Almighty. That He is a God of miracles. That that He loves us so much. And that He didn't leave us here as orphans. He sent us the Holy Spirit who is the key of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I think about... The children of Israel, as they had went into Egypt and then were put into bondage, uh, how did they get out of that? What changed them? The Bible said that Moses told them to take a lamb for a house. And they took that lamb and they spread that blood, reactivating that blood covenant that God had made with Abraham. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Five things, five covenant rights I see come from that from the, putting that blood on their doorpost. Five covenant rights that we can expect when we apply the blood of Jesus over our lives. Our covenant was not ratified with the blood of an animal, but ratified with the blood of the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Five covenant rights we should expect just like them. The Bible says that they were expecting, they, they ate that Passover meal with their shoes on and their bags packed. They were expecting something to happen. We can be that same way. To me, the blood of Jesus and his word are the same. When we apply God's word to our lives, to our families, to our jobs, to whatever, we need to do that in expectation that things are going to change. We need to look for these five things that, hallelujah, the first thing that I see is that the destroyer had to pass over. The destroyer had to pass over their home. We can claim that for our homes, for our families. The second thing I see is that they were delivered from bondage. The third thing I see is that they were provisioned. The Lord restored for 400 years of labor what they had earned. We're covenant people. We should expect the provision of God in our lives. The fourth thing that I see is that they were led by the Holy Spirit. God led them out of, out of Egypt by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And comforting and warming them. And the last thing that I see is they left there, it says in Psalms, there was not a feeble one among them. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just, uh, 
I just have felt, you know, in my own life, just, uh, just the Lord wants us to stand and be recognized of who we are and the authority that we have. He's given us the kingdom. Hallelujah. He's given us his authority. He's given us his name. And he wants us in these last days. We don't need to be using those for his good and not be worried about our families. God loves us and he does not want our families to be dying lost without him. He wants us to take authority and subdue this earth and this thing finish up. Uh, somebody said a little earlier he's coming back after a glorious church. One that is walking in his anointing and those kind of things. And you know I just look just to finish up here. Just as I've read through Thess First Thessalonians things that this uh, keys that the Lord uh, that Paul gave us about living a victorious life. It starts chapter 5 verse 11. He talks about it comforting ourselves together edifying one another to lift up our leaders our teachers our and hold them in high esteem our prophets our pastors our teachers and those that have sent to you know to equip us for the work of the ministry um, he talks about uh, uh, just about exhorting and warning our brethren uh, bringing warning to them, supporting the weak, being patient toward all men, rejoicing forevermore, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, that we quench not the Spirit of the Lord, and that we despise not prophecies. You know, a lot of people, we think about these things that have been prophesied for years and years, and I've been hearing since I was a little kid and knew better that Jesus was coming back. And here I am, nearly 60 years old, and he hadn't come back yet. But we don't need to take those things. These things have been prophesied. The Lord is returning. And all of these signs show that he's coming back and we need to be ready for him. Something that, you know, I've started doing as I read there in Luke uh, chapter 21. That it says in there, encourages us to pray that, uh, that we and our families be found worthy to escape the coming wrath. And... Uh, Anyway, the Bible says we should prove all things and abstain from evil, the appearance of evil, and that, that God's peace will be with us. Amen, amen. Y'all, thank you for letting me. I hope it was okay. And uh, Sorry for the boogers, but anyway. Amen. You know, Mike, this is the first time in a long time you've been here, but it won't be the last. you got an area that we all, our body, we all have our parts, and this is your part to keep us informed of what's going on. So uh, next time you're going to come up and say, i I got something to say. <laughs> Did you hear me? I'm not going to have to ask you. You're going to come up and say, i got something I need to say. Okay, you got it? Tell Christy she'll make Christy, him. Christy, you make him, Okay. And that goes for all of you. We are a body, and every member has that part. Amen? Amen. Well, stand up. I'll bless y'all as I bless him. Lord, we thank you for Mike. We thank you for your, what you put in his heart. We thank you, Lord, that he's a watchman on the wall, and he's watching. And we thank you, Lord, for a watchman that's there, and he don't mind lifting up his voice and the warning to the people of what's coming. 
And we thank you, Lord, that you put that in every one of our hearts. We're a watchman over what you give us to be responsible for. And, Lord, we thank you. We're not going to hold our peace, and we are going to stand. We're going to stand in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we thank you that you've already provided everything we need according to your riches and glory. Now, we just bless Mike, bless his family, bless everyone here in the name of Jesus. And it's time for you to be who he made you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good journey. Hold on. We got another one. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Niles just talked to us this morning. That is what has happened. In Jesus' name, I release you to the full measure of the DNA that you carry within you. It's not just a watchman on the wall for in this congregation. It's a watchman on the wall for the nations. I declare in Jesus' name that what was put in you when you were conceived in your mother's womb, what you were born with, that this destiny, that this retirement you're looking forward to, you're just going to put some new tires on and go even more than what you thought. We receive in the words that now spoke in this congregation, in this building, that anointing, that residual presence is still here. And today you have restirred. You know, God put the fire on the altar, but the priest, it was their job to maintain that fire and to keep that fire going and they would stoke the fire we do that in the new covenant with our worship with our thanksgiving with the words we speak with the supernatural offerings we give we release that fire within you and we declare that it go out from the altar and bring that revelation that God has put within you and we call for more of them in Jesus name we declare it amen thank you Well, okay, remember to bless our family here that's heading this way in Jesus' name.